This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good night, however you are, whoever you are, wherever you may be. Welcome uh, to the Wednesday Twilight Show with Harry Waters. I started about 14 seconds early today. Outrageous. I'm just so incredibly excited um, about today's talk. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So how is everybody? How are you all? Where have you been? What have you been up to? And most importantly, of course, the biggest question of all, how was your Halloween? Mine was, it was great, actually. I, I had a brilliant Halloween. It's, it's been a long time coming, but my, my good lady wife has always wanted to throw a Halloween party. So, so we did that. Um, it, was, it was wonderful. It was it was delightful. Um, so we had the Halloween party. Um, oh, hello there! I can see people arriving, and I went dressed as a sexy nurse. Um, you can find on my Instagram at Renewable English images of me as said sexy nurse, um, and they will be available for anybody to see whenever they like. Um, but it was lovely. We had like a a kind of kids and adults party or just a regular party and I felt the real teacher come out in me during that uh during that party because I you know corralled the kids and we did we did a jinkana and it was just like I'm just taking classroom game after classroom game after classroom game and it was just brilliant the the kids were probably having a good time I'm not exactly sure I was having a great time it was exceptional I even I even put aside my my detest and hatred for balloons um, because in a classroom situation balloons oh, I hate what they stand for I hate what they do to the planet but in a classroom situation a balloon it, it's magic a balloon is magic it can it can be anything it can go anywhere um, and having a balloon uh, a set of balloons and uh, a cactus in my garden it did make one of the activities in the gymkhana quite a lot of fun um, and that was hiding clues inside the balloons that the, the, the kid then had to blow up and explode the balloons. Um, they had to find a way to do it. Luckily, they found out that it was to, to pop it on the on the cactus because, you know, we like a bit of danger um, when we've got kids around. Never do that in the classroom, of course. Don't explode balloons on there. But yeah, I I am an avid balloon hater. So it went against everything inside my being to, to do that. Um, in the past, I've I've loved balloons for other reasons, you know, for other classroom games. But now I just hate to see the waste. But as I say, as an educational device, much like the post-it, it might be wasteful, but it's very useful. Um, gotta love a post-it. Absolutely fantastic. So other than that, this week I, I've, I've been teaching, you know, as you do as a teacher sometimes. Uh, I've been writing still. I just finished my second draft of an activity book that I'm working on. Um, and I've been putting together a training session all about 
English for the planet, it's called, basically. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and I thought, yeah, other than that, a few meetings here and there, you know, the, the things that we do as we tr transition from teaching to teaching and beyond. Um, I feel I've kind of stepped a bit away from the classroom this year, perhaps more so than last year with between four and six hours a week teaching now. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm making sure I'm still in there though. But then the big question is teacher training the same as being in the classroom? Ooh, it could be. Is that just teaching with a different name? I don't know. Teaching, teacher training, who knows? It could be either of the two. I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, my guest who, who's coming on today. It's somebody who I've been very keen to get on for a while. I haven't pestered him or, or hassled him or anything. Um, I just thought it, it was about time that, that he came on because he is absolutely brilliant. Now, I'm, I'm not going to sing his praises too much. No, I am. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Um, he is one of the, without a doubt, biggest influences in my uh, career, as it were. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a career when you've been doing it for 15 years, Harry. You can probably call it that. Um, yeah, so a huge influence on my career with his style of teaching, with his style of training. It's it's all just, I don't know, it's all tied up very nicely in there. And it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed uh, following and connecting with um, and watching it evolve as well throughout the past kind of 11 years. Um, Mr. Chris Rowland will be with us very soon. I'll let him introduce himself as well. Before that, we're just going to head off for the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Saturday the 29th of October saw a so-called March of the Mummies, according to an ITV News report. Hundreds of people campaigning for improvements in childcare and working conditions for parents took part in marches in Manchester and 11 other cities. The march was organised by campaign group Pregnant Then Screwed, who say that the UK has some of the world's most expensive childcare. The group believes that children in the UK are being born into poverty because parental leave is not well paid enough and a lack of fe flexible working conditions is forcing parents out of the workforce. 
A spokesperson for the campaign group said research suggests that employers are desperately trying to find highly skilled people to work, whilst hundreds of thousands of women who desperately want to work can't. In response, a government spokesperson said, the government is committed to supporting working parents and helping them participate and progress in their working life. The UK has one of the most generous maternity leave entitlements in the world. They went on to highlight the recent consultation on making the right to request flexible working a day one right for all. More than £7.5 million has been announced for the extension of mental health programmes for schools in Northern Ireland. Education Minister Michelle McKilveen announced funding continuation for the Engage 3 and Healthy Happy Minds projects. Ms McKilveen said that the feedback from school leaders and staff was that both programmes had been invaluable in helping to support pupils across all educational settings. Both schemes were created to help alleviate the impact of the pandemic on children and young people. Durham University students have queued on the streets overnight to secure a home for next year, according to a report from the BBC. Lists were released and hundreds lined up outside of estate agents in the city with one student saying some showed up at his current accommodation for a viewing in a panic for next year. The university said it had anticipated pressure on the private rental market and increases in rent and was giving the issue urgent attention. Durham Students' Union described the city's housing market as broken and claimed that increasing student numbers were putting both welfare and education at risk. First-year undergraduates in the city have guaranteed accommodation but have to find their own housing after that. The university is encouraging students to contact their college if they are facing difficulties. TES magazine features a story from Scotland as a teaching watchdog raises child protection concerns with the government. The General Teaching Council for Scotland says its role protecting children is being adversely affected by police failing to share information. A judge ruled last year that critical evidence should be shared by police but the GTC for Scotland says the change has been slow to take effect. New figures also show that the GTCS fitness to teach process has also been hit by the pandemic, with the average time taken to close a case increasing to 249 days during 2021-22, compared to 113 days the previous year. The GTCS is responsible for investigating and making decisions about Scottish teachers fitness to teach, and says it relies on agencies sharing information and making referrals. Police Scotland's Assistant Chief Constable responded by saying that child protection is a priority and no child will be put at risk of harm. The GTCS has recently come into criticism for its handling of child protection cases. The full article is available via TES magazine. Professor Alison Beverstock has been awarded with special recognition at the Soldiering On Awards 2022 held in London recently. Professor Baverstock is the founder and director of the charity Reading Force, which promotes shared reading within Force's families. The UK's 130,000 Force's children typically face ongoing challenges such as disrupted education, uncertainty and parental absences. The Reading Force project was designed to promote family connectivity through books, as well as raise higher education aspirations, engagement and transition. The Soldiering On Awards recognise the achievements of those serving in the armed forces as well as those who support them. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. 
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about buying a laptop, a question I get asked all the time. So this is what you need to know if you're considering buying a laptop for yourself or a loved one. First up, it's physical shopping versus online shopping. My only advice on this is consider how much you're saving online. If a device goes wrong and you bought it from a shop, you can take it back. Online support will usually require you having to post the device back, which can be a bit messy. Even if you buy online, it's always good to visit a shop and actually see the device. I use these few tests to help me decide on a laptop. First, what is it for? If it's for gaming, then you need to look if it will run the games you want to play. All gaming machines will tell you how they perform with popular games. Pick your game and then it will just be a balancing act on how much you're willing to pay. More expensive usually equals better gameplay. Screen size is my next decision. If I'm going to be taking it places, then a smaller screen will make it easier to fit in a bag. If using it a lot, you might want a bigger screen. Next, I try the G test. This is incredibly technical. It involves pressing the G on the keyboard and seeing how much the keyboard flexes. This is a good indicator of build quality. More robust designs will flex less. Sometimes this is a factor I use to decide between two models that are equally powered. If you're a bit of a DIY computer geek, then see if you can upgrade the hard drive and the RAM, etc. Some top-end gaming machines have a cheaper model and bar a small amount of graphics speed, simply have more RAM and a bigger hard disk. Next up is the operating system and the life of the device. Pretty much every device will have a point in time where it's not supported anymore and will Stop upgrading. It won't stop working, but you'll no longer be able to keep up to date. Sometimes a device with a shorter upgrade life will look appealing because it's cheaper. However, in the long run, it won't last as long. Will a reconditioned computer suit you better? A second-hand or reconditioned machine will usually be considerably less. After all the other checks, have a look at the keyboard. The spacebar, if not replaced, will give a good indicator of the amount of use the machine has had. With new or old, feel how hot it gets. Some laptops run hotter than others. This can be uncomfortable if it's on your knee. Look where the power socket is. Will it be an obstruction in your favorite chair if it's leaned on regularly it can be broken finally don't be dazzled by flashy lights and gimmicks at first you notice them they'll soon be a part of the furniture there's no such thing as a bad machine nowadays there are lots of machines purchased though which are not fit for purpose as always feel free to send your thoughts to at tt radio 2022 i'm steve woods and that was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio six minutes earlier than I promised him, I'm going to ask Chris if he can unmute and, and enter the chaos of the studio. He's looking for the unmute button. I think he's found it. There we go. He found it. Brilliant. He <laughs> They're not working. See, the best thing is I'm used to the audio not working. I'm ready for it to not work. So right. I'm, I'm prepared today. I had the script up and ready. Um, it's just so bizarre because the last three weeks it's gone so smoothly. I did everything exactly the same today. As we were talking, I set it up, press play, and the dreaded wheel of doom came up. You know that wheel. <laughs> so Chris Rowland. Um, Chris Rowland is here, everybody. Yay! The crowd go wild. Um, Chris, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, your career in ELT and where you are now. Now, I understand that could probably take the next hour and a half. So yeah, how long, how long do you want me to take with that one? Um, if, if we can nutshell it a bit, so okay. like a big nutshell. Like a big nutshell, all right. Uh, I'm a teacher, teacher trainer and methodology writer based in Seville. Um, and uh, Seville's been on and off my sort of place uh, place a point of reference for, for the last couple of decades. Um, I've also taught with the British Council in Syria and in Barcelona 
uh, and down in Cadith with our good friends uh, Simon and Danny at Active Language. Um, and taught in the private academy sector uh, and in uh, mainstream Spanish schools, in semi-private schools. Um, and what, what about that for a start? That's brilliant. Right. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, that was that was excellent. Uh, so yeah, you're you're you're. I, I wrote down. No, I apologise on the thing. I wrote teacher, teacher trainer, and author. I just wrote author. I didn't mention methodology. Did that offend you? No, author's nice. I've been meaning to. Uh, I've been meaning to register for the uh, what is it? The British Society or the Royal Society for Authors in the UK? Something oh, like there's, that. There's Cause... a society for authors. That's a, that's oh, a yeah. thing. Yeah. The totally yeah, and uh, I thought so. Yeah, no, author's a nice word. Yeah, so uh, that I'll take I love that. It. <laughs> um, and of multiple books, no less. Yeah, um, yeah, four in the last four years. So uh, it's uh, yeah, um, yeah. That's the quite books a lot are... of books in four years. That's like almost you're almost at J.K. Rowling pace. Yeah, she phones me up sometimes for advice and and that and. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It, they're, they're funny old things. So it's, uh, I mean, you, you put a lot into them. Um, and I still don't know how I feel about, I mean, obviously quite proud when they come out. Um, I, I, but I think, I mean, I think I do enjoy writing them. Um, the only thing is, I mean, you'll know from, from writing as well, when you come to a bit that you're writing because you know you ought to, and you know it has to go in, but it's not the bit that really excites you. Oh yeah, oh, I know that. I know that feeling. Yeah, that, that's not the good bit. That's not. <laughs> that's not the that good. Is bit. Not the good no. bit. Yeah. And that's that's when pages, what were pages, sort of coming out, sort of start to turn into paragraphs. Yeah, and uh, and that. So I'm doing some writing at the moment, and I was I was struggling with a paragraph i'll i'll start doing washing up sometimes and uh or something else as i'm trying to compose it in my head and then i then i went out to the shops and i realized i was halfway down the next street and i had one slipper on and one shoe on oh nice and that was how much i was thinking about the paragraph and by the end of actually the first draft of of of, of a book i am uh, i'm sick of the in, internal sort of sub vocalized sound of my own voice it's like composing paragraphs and sentences, yeah. Do you know what I find weird? That like when I'm right. writing, my internal monologue is obviously always in English because I'm writing in English. Yeah. But if I'm just like having a shower and I'm mm -hmm. thinking about a conversation I'm going to have with somebody, like whoever it is, be it my nan, you know, whatever, my internal monologue goes into Spanish. And I'm thinking, oh, brilliant. what am I going to say to Nanny later? And I'm thinking it in Spanish. My nan doesn't speak Spanish. Right, you know. <laughs> She's 88 now. She's not really thinking of, of learning Spanish. So, yeah, but I don't but, know why I do that. But, yeah, obviously when I'm writing it, it's not the same. I get I'm it. I get that. Yeah. And, 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 and my accent is always really good. My Spanish accent is always really good in my head. Um, you know, when I'm having those dreams or those sort of uh, sub sub-articulated sort of utterances are running through and then when it comes out comes out the mouth it's it's just not quite the same there but yeah <laughs> i know the feeling i like to describe my my accent as giddy loose so <laughs> here in here in andalusia the the accent is andalou or andaluz um yeah. and and giddy is 
a pejorative term generally for for people from the north of Europe. So I've, I've mixed the two in a portmanteau, and I call it a Guinea Luz accent, which people seem to find hilarious. So. That's, that's that's nice. I I learned the meaning of the word Giri on my first day. Actually, um, it was up in Tomares in in two thousand. Uh, Tomares is a for any, anybody who doesn't know, which will probably be most people, is uh, a little village just outside of Seville, where where I started teaching in Spain in two thousand. And I'm crossing the road. It was my first day to go into the academy. I don't think we'd started teaching. It was just kind of setting up. And a car drives past, and and, and I hear someone shout out the window, "Giddy!" And um, <clears throat> not in a particularly offensive way, but you know, they obviously they felt they needed to reach out. And I walked into the school and uh, I said, uh, I think I asked the secretary and the director uh, at the same time, I said, you know, what, what does this word, what's giddy mean? And uh, the secretary, she she chortled and the, the director said, uh, it means, uh, it means that, well, it's a word for sort of Northern European or, or foreigner. And I said, foreigner? I said, oh, because someone had just shouted out, shouted it out of a car. I wonder how they knew I was foreign. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a... Oh, it, it can be seen. It can be seen, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's not always in a negative tech uh, context, but you know, no. um, I've come to embrace it. Mm. Anyway, today, Chris, we are, are talking about TEFL wizardry in the classroom, because I don't know if anybody else calls you this. Um, mm -hmm. I know that I have ever since 2011, but I refer to you as not just a TEFL wizard. I'm going to say the TEFL wizard, because... Something magical happens when, I'm, I'm guessing in your classroom, I've never actually got to observe you in your classroom, but I know from your training sessions and I know from you know, examples of what you've done in class, these things do just seem like magic. But let's, let's go back to JK Rowling here. Magic isn't something that just happens naturally. You do have to learn it and you have to work on it. But it comes out and, and yeah. yeah, so so it was 20, I think it was 2011 that, I was at Athea, my first ever Athea, um, mm -hmm. and I, I was sent there by my my school. So I obviously resented it because it was a Saturday. Um, <laughs> I, I went to my first couple of sessions that I wanted to go to. You know, I looked on the list and, you know, Simon Perlman's was about drama. I love drama. I went and watched him. He was great, ranting and raving. It was brilliant. I loved it. Um, and then, you know, I was I went to go to another one. It was, it was full. Went to go to another one. It was full. Uh, and then there was one in the big room. And I was like, oh, it's a big room. There were a few spaces left in there. And it was you. Yeah. It was you there in the big yeah. room. And some of the things that you talked about in there were just what felt like to me so outside the box at the time. It was so far from the Celta. It was so far from anything I'd seen. Um, yeah. And I'm going to go back to balloons. The one that kind of stuck with me was the, the glove, writing on a glove. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Such a simple thing. And, and it was that, the, the way you made really boring tasks in the classroom, like practicing and writing, and you yeah. somehow turned it into something that all the kids always wanted to do. Yeah. So that for me was wizardry. <laughs> so, so, okay, so that session, I remember that session. It was called Teacher Who Breaks the Rules. Um, and it was maybe a particularly subversive one or, 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 or that, yeah. In fact, to tell you the truth, that the night before that session, <clears throat> I'd um, I'd been tasting some uh, some ghost peppers that I that I'd grown um, and I'd grown some white ghost peppers, Bucciolokia for 
anybody who's into their capsicum. Um, and, uh, and so I barely made it to the end of that talk. I was enjoying myself very much, but I, I had these cramping pains as well. Um, so that was a bit, that was touch and go, uh, that one. But yeah, I remember the session. Just some other things that, that really came from it as well. No, it wasn't just the activities, which, as I say, a lot of them have stuck with me. Yeah. Um, but your your way of being with the audience and your your kind of realism about the classroom. I know yeah. with a lot of teacher trainers, when we train, we sometimes go in there with this whole, we're the perfect teacher and we have the perfect class. And when you do this, yeah. everything will be perfect. Um, but you, you don't do that. Right. Um, no, I don't. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. It's um, just, just, I mean, because um, I think it, it's all sort of tied in with itself, um, which isn't being, me being very clear, but I think um, if you are very careful about um, your positioning, where you position yourself conceptually, um in relation to your audience um then you can avoid lots of awkwardness and, and nerves and getting into trouble so um right from the first time that i presented uh to, to colleagues in the in the british council in damascus i think i was in 2006 i just kind of said to myself right you know i've i've done some techniques in class i've tried them out I know they worked, so I'm, I'm not going to try to be a presenter or to be anything more than somebody who's gone off, tried something and is coming back and, and saying how it worked. And I think coming at it from that paradigm, you can, you can really, you can never end up with egg on your face because somebody asks you a difficult question. I mean, most of the time it's it's when you're when you're pretending or playing at the presenter the trainer yeah um and and yeah sure i've you know i've slipped into that a few times but i think by being real sort of about about the classroom um then then yeah you you kind of avoid that you like also what I, another great thing i got from it was make sure there are practical takeaways like maybe in an individual training session i went to one yeah. of yours at ellie i think and it was it was about the the teenage mind you know and it, there wasn't yeah. as much practical takeaway it was more kind of theory um yeah. there was still practical takeaway but i think at a large conference especially you know when people are there all day what they basically want are their next three weeks of planning to be done for them and they just want it all there and like they just want game after game after game and practical ideas that they can chuck into their classroom maybe three or four of them will stick and they'll continue using them but the next three weeks they want to have done yeah definitely and i think as, as i mean my, my training and my, my conference speaking has gone through various phases um and and that certainly wasn't the last phase there's been two or three since but yeah i think you get to the point where you're you know you're fronting your talk or your session or your workshop with five or ten minutes of theory and you can see people switching off so and and then you know and then you get somebody comes in the next presenter who's been you know teaching for just a couple of years but they've got half a dozen practical activities and suddenly everybody's taking notes so it I, I do try and sort of drip feed or sprinkle in the uh, 
any sort of theory um, throughout the, the length of, of the talk and, and yeah, sort of um, drop it in between practical activities and strategies and that, yeah. I'm going to talk very briefly about your, your new YouTube channel. Now, yeah, rock on. Uh, so, so Charlie mentioned it. Obviously, I'd seen a few videos already. Um, I then realized I hadn't subscribed. I have subscribed now. Um, I was like, oh, Thanks. I've, I've actually seen it, but I haven't subscribed. That's terrible of someone, you know. Uh, so, so, yeah, I, I have subscribed. Uh, and I've watched, I think, three or four of the videos. There are nine now. Eight, uh, nine? I, I just added one this afternoon. So there are 10 now. That well, are... there you go. That's <laughs> 10 videos. Now, yeah. for me, watching those videos really took me back to going to your sessions. You know, it's it's that it, the realness of it. Now, I, I love Charlie's lessons. I love his YouTube channel. It's absolutely incredible. It's, yeah, it is it's nice. genius. It's, really nice. it's hilarious. Yeah. It's crisp. It's technical. Yeah. Yours is not technical. Uh, yours doesn't <laughs> pretend to be technical. Yours is you. Yeah. It's it's a talking head, but it's a talking head talking about yeah. an idea and doing it in a very real way with a very real mini whiteboard. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes it is. <laughs> that definitely weren't stolen from uh, a language academy you may or may not have worked <laughs> no, at. No, and definitely sure. haven't been graffitied by Paola, that's for sure, 100%. <laughs> that's just to add authenticity, of course. Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I spent ages graffitiing that on myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, and in fact, in fact, they've now those uh, those clips. I'm now doing them all in one take on the first take, simply because I still do not possess the technical ability to to cut them or edit them. So it's it's all or nothing, and um, somehow I've managed to, yeah, l lose any kind of um, lose any kind of inhibition in front of the. In front of thing, much I, I I suspect as you you do with the with the podcasting, you know, just mm -hmm. launching into it, sort of any mistakes you gloss over, because I know that you know if I have to stop it, I have to do the whole thing again. So it, it really does save time, and in the end, I think that you know the little slips and flaws and things you get wrong. It's a lot of it is down to your own self perception that a flaw has been, you know, a flaw has been or an error has been committed yeah do you know what i mean it's uh so so i mean you might think oh i made a mistake there but somebody listening or watching might not even perceive that as a mistake yeah and it, again it, it does add to the authenticity of it so what i found with renewable english when i was doing the when, when i do my lessons i yeah. I do them live so people can join in at the same time. My dog's just come to join us, by the way. <laughs> I was watching well. it and on, yeah. I could see it on a screen in the background. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my dog just came to say hello, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, when I'm, when I'm doing Renewable English, I, I do it live because, you know, we have between, depending on the day, we'll have between 15 and, you know, 150 mm. students there. So mm. it is live and, you know, there's literally nothing else you can do about it. You know, it has to be there. So... I like, you know, that it's a different royal. It's a different yeah. like vibe to it. It's, yeah. but it's really nice. And and what I love about it again is it has that that realism to it. Um, and I was watching yeah. one oh, a little while back, and I took I took a note of it. Um, and yeah, the moment when you're talking about when you sit down 
and somebody's speaking and you're sort of sitting there and you're thinking about what you've got to get at a supermarket. <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that's the realism that like is so important in, in teacher training because yeah. we all have those moments. Some of us more often than not, I'm quite often mm. thinking about the supermarket. Um, yeah. But I think that, as we mentioned before with our training, it, it can really help teachers rather than like look up and think, oh, this person is, is perfect. It, it, they can then relate and be like, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I've been so hungry. And I mean, I like to eat, as as you know, anyway. But I mean, I've been so hungry in classes in the past. I, I even got to the point a couple of years back where I invented an activity. I said, guys, we're going to play a game now. And they said, oh, yeah, what is it called? I said, it's called feed the teacher and these <laughs> and they said what's the game i said because they know that you know for me a game is something that i invent and they do that's basically um you know w within pedagogic reasonableness but um i said well i'm going to ask you guys questions uh and this is a this is a group of sort of upper intermediate i'm going to ask you guys questions and each time you get one right i'm allowed to take a mouthful of this yogurt um and uh i said is that a game i said it is for me um, <laughs> so, and, uh, and so we played feed the teacher i mean uh, somebody reminded me of it a couple of weeks later said yeah are we going to play feed the teacher today i said yeah let's do that so but <laughs> today the shopping bag in the corner Oreos. Oh my. <laughs> can we play yeah. feed the student no no um, I've, 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 I, I tell you what, I fed them some weird stuff over the years. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> we, we actually had a class today. Um, we, we've got a young learner class of, of kids we volunteered to teach in the village who can't, you know, can't quite get to academies, you know, yeah. economically or, or, you know. So we have them here uh, and we're really? doing different, we're doing different tastes. Right. So these are in f fourth and fifth grade. So they're nine and ten. And we're yeah. doing different tastes. So we had spicy, we had bland, we had a bitter, we had the whole lot. Um, so we started yeah. with some harissa powder. Right. And they were all just like, yeah, they were just trying harissa powder. They're just like, ah, my face. <laughs> and then, yeah, like it's just so, something, there's something very strange about squeezing a lemon, like for a child yeah. to, to drink from. It was a bit like, this isn't, this feels weird. But yeah, and then just, just that kind of reaction and, and it, again the difference between you just showing a, a google image of a lemon and yeah. you feeding them lemon and say getting them to go ah it's bitter ah it's yeah. bitter like there's a bit of a difference there there's a massive difference i mean i, re I realized my first in my first five years in seville before i left for the middle east for a couple of years um i was teaching in a in a concertado, a semi-private school um, up in up in a village outside of Seville, um, and I gave them uh, cardamom at one point. I mean, you know, twenty years ago, there were less there were less herbs and spices used in in sort of in in typical or traditional uh, cooking here. I mean, you couldn't get above and beyond simple curry powder you couldn't get you know the sort of 
stuff we're used to in the UK, like the Patek's chili paste mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, cardamom was known, but most, uh, you know, the majority of kids probably hadn't had it. Um, so I, you know, I used to give them stuff like that so they could try it, you know, nibble on the little seeds, see how it was a natural breath freshener. And I'd explain to them how they used it in the Middle East to flavor coffee and stuff like that. And I remember, you know, coming back years later, that was always the thing people, that was the sort of thing people would always mention. Oh, I remember when you gave us that cardamom. Oh, you know, maybe not not the present perfect that I tried to teach them. But um, so, but I mean, they, they can run tangentially, uh, I think, or in parallel, let's say. Um, maybe sometimes, I mean, the trick is in terms of task design is to, to marry the two together, yeah? And mm-hmm. to, to make sure that your language is, is tight because, you know, if it's, and especially in the, the point I make time and time again is that if, you know, the enthusiasm is coming from the kids, then we're in control in terms of the language. So if a nine-year-old wants to try a new sort of suite that they've never seen, you can get them to say lots of stuff before, you can get them to write you a letter, if they want to paint with a paintbrush or or stuff like that. And I mean, you know, you've heard me say this before, but, but I mean, we just harness that enthusiasm to, you know, to get the language that we need. It's It's kind of maybe tantamount to bribery. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is as well, sometimes like, as you know, feed the teacher games like that happen in the moment, you know, there there's, they come up and, you know, maybe at first you don't have like the correct language to, to use in it, but you know, that they, that from that you develop it. Now today, uh, I had a box full of socks. Um, So I got the students to pair the socks, but they also had to turn it from like, they had to make sure it wasn't inside out. Yeah. So, so what they had to do when, you know, they were in their two teams and I'd shout a number and they'd run down and jump at the floor and they'd have to say inside out right way around. And they put them together and go pair of socks. And that like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge amount, but in the moment it was all I could think of. And and in the end, you know, they, they they got madly into doing the teacher's laundry, I guess. So we've got feed the teacher, (laughs) do the teacher's laundry. And they loved it. And they said, can we play that again at the end of the class? And I was like, yeah. And now I'm thinking, well, you could do a great Pelmanism game with that. You know, you could, you could put notes inside the socks. So when they unpair the socks, they can take the notes out and they could have a Pelmanism there or, you know, just yeah. uh, silly things but, like that. But you're you're very right. The first time one of those sort of, um, you know, magic, let's keep on the theme of wizardry, uh, magic sort of activities um, occurs spontaneously. The first time you, you probably don't, nail it or anchor because yeah it, it evolves and then you're thinking oh and you're in the moment ad-libbing how you can tie language to it the second time then you you, you know you've got a chance to think it i mean there's always a danger though that you can over engineer it as well yeah so yeah but um i think a very useful um little technique um that i mean in the style of the kind of uh dogmate sort of write-up is that just a summary of an activity so Whatever's happened, however improvised it's got, then, you know, especially with the, with the teenagers, then you say, okay, that was great. Hang on a minute. I'm just going to give you, you know, a, a, a half or a quarter page uh, 
slip of paper or in your notebooks and I just want you to write, you know, five lines, five sentences saying what we've just done and why you enjoyed it. And and that retrospective write-up will often cover you, um, you know, because then they can, you know, we, you can go back to the language. So that's such a useful, like, that's such a helpful tip. I like to do at the end of my classes, like a two minute tweet, you know, right. about whatever has happened in the class. I tie it to the, the climate because that's what I do. Whatever we've yeah. learned about, we do a two minute tweet. So yeah, it could be a similar thing at the end of the game, right? Two minute tweet. You've only got 240 characters. You can't exceed that. You can use emojis. I don't know. These kind of yeah. semi fun things that they can then they can then do. Obviously, if we're talking online, it's a lot easier to add the emojis in and count the characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we will talk about online shortly. Um, before that, I want to go back. Yeah. It may have been it may have been the 2011 session. It may have been the one the year after, because I know those were the only two years I got to see you. Because after that. Whenever right. Athea came around, we were always on at the same time. Yes, yes, yeah, for for, for, for yeah, for quite a few years, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is quite annoying because I wanted to go to the <laughs> sessions and I knew that everybody else wanted to go to your sessions as well. So it was like, oh, well, no one's going to come to mine. But anyway, in that first session, I think it was, the, the tinfoil for writing an essay or for writing a letter, something like that, for doing a writing, basically, wrapped tinfoil around the card, again, yeah. Some things like this appear wasteful, but for me, this was ab this is an absolute game changer for me. This really? makes such a difference yeah. to my writing classes because yeah. it meant students were happy to do at least two drafts of something and really yeah. practice it because they saw in the end they got one shot to write it on there and they had to be gentle. Um, so where did that idea come from? So this was um, this was part of a series. I, I broke down. Um, I mean, okay, I think for the first sort of, uh, for the first 10 years of uh, my primary teaching, there's really nothing to write home about. Teens are a little bit different. I got, I got the hang of that um, a lot quicker. But after about 10, 11 years teaching the little ones, then I started to really figure out where I was. And I'd never done any sort of specialist training. I'd never had any teacher training for um, primary. So it was, you know, it was a long process of discovery. And I generally sort of, I suppose I've taught primary less uh, than adults and, um, and teens. I've always taught more teens than anyone else. And then it's probably been between primary and adults, depending on where I was and what I was doing. Um, at one point, and I think it was, it was basically when I, at that at that time i started to look at these little people in front of me and think you know why why do they like some things and not others um and i came up with the the answer that it's it's because when when we move away from the what they're expecting so any kind of a shift so mm -hmm. i categorized fun into you know spatial shift um uh, sensory shift truth shift when you just basically lie to your students and they're having fun finding out or you know questioning you um and an object shift you know when you give them freaky objects to look at or play with your your, your lemon there for example that would be an example of uh, uh object shift because they wouldn't expect to see a lemon in the classroom and sensory shift the moment it hits their palate because it's like yeah. wow you know um and text shift was one of these and that was basically writing on anything that wasn't um you know 
a piece of paper or their notebook. And and so I started to play about with, you know, where can where can we shift text to? Um, and I came up with a whole list that I still I still haven't, you know, fully worked my way through the list. But the silver foil was one of them. So it was a sort of uh, piece of paper covered in silver foil. And I normally gave that to them at the end of uh, after an exam, before they used to bring their mobiles into classes. Can you remember, they, we always used to have this horrible sort of 15 minutes at the end of an exam where some of them had finished, some hadn't. Yeah. And the teacher's desperately trying to, to keep the ones that have finished and probably done fine to keep them quiet. So the ones that are struggling and need that time um, are, you know, get chance to concentrate. And a lot of the time they look up with this pained, you know, come on teacher, can't you control them anymore? The teacher realizes that it's breaking down, but the teacher's sandwiched because they're not allowed to let the fin the early finishers go early. Um, so into this space, into this kind of restricted, stressful space, I started trying to put in interesting activities and really thinking it through. Um, and and that was one of them. Um, but um, but it also sort of evolved out of the um, out of the conviction that really correcting a, a student's text is only worthwhile if there's going to be some sort of follow up afterwards. If yeah. not, you might as well just give it back to them with a smiley face on, I think. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, teachers complain. I spent ages correcting it. So did you demand something afterwards or did you just spend ages correcting it? Yeah. Give it to them. They went, oh, I've got a seven. That's a pass. Great. Yeah. Well, what's the point? There's no point in correcting it then. Don't waste your time if that's all you're going to do. Like, I would Absolutely. say that 100% to teachers. If you're not yeah. going to follow up, if you're not going to ask for something, don't waste 20 minutes marking it. Just yeah. start correcting it. Just give them the grade, give it back. If, however, yeah. you are going to work on it, if you are going to develop it, then do spend the time. And I absolutely think that that is very much a worthwhile activity to do. And having it on, you know, the paper or the latex glove, which was another classic, I know. Yeah. Um, it's and students stop to think that way as well because you have to be a bit careful so you don't break it, you don't burst it. They know, you know, they won't get another one, and you know, it, it's a really, it's a wonderful thing for them to kind of sit there and enjoy doing their their second draft or their third draft of it and you know it's that different thing and yeah. you mentioned uh, shape you didn't it wasn't called shapes object shifting i was gonna say yeah, 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 shape shifting yeah, yeah. <laughs> more wizardry um <laughs> i remember now i don't think i stole the idea from you but i'm pretty sure i was inspired by something you did once uh and that was bringing a potato into class and i just you know i just went up and i was like what is this? Yeah. And my students were like, well, it's a potato. Like, ah, but what could it be? Chips, tortilla. I was like, mm-hmm. But what else could it be? And they kind of look at you a bit weird. And like, so you take it and you erase the whiteboard with a potato. <laughs> and they say, ah. And so obviously you give them their time and their groups to, to work together. You go around monitoring what they're, what they're talking about. And you get the lists at the end and, you know, this stuff kids coming up with teens and kids coming up with it could be a murder weapon and it's good because you can eat it afterwards <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. um sure 
but my favorite was to always go through it and you know and then you get to the it could be the class pet and they're like yeah the class pet's brilliant so it's the class pet and you give it a name and everything and then you say oh and it can also be a pen holder and you just shove your pen in the back of it and they're all like no jeremy what have you done to jeremy <laughs> but you know you can then what i did with my class in uh, my teen class I, it did become the class pet and they all had Instagram. So I allowed my students to take it for the day, yeah. for the, you know, a couple of days, take it somewhere, take photos. And they, they made a, an Instagram for Jeremy the potato. It didn't go very far. It was this one activity that, you know, potatoes rocked, potatoes by the way. Rock, yeah. So by the time it got around to the last person who there were 24 people in the class, it was a, a secondary school. By the time it got around to the last person, it was just this horrible kind of, <laughs> mashed up moldy mess and i was like i think it's time that we bury jeremy so yeah it's that kind of thing that the class could just really get into and it turned into like a, a two-month project basically and so much came out of it and it was just because it was that class when i brought in a potato yeah. a, a particular class will latch on to something and and so they and they it's almost like a a, a an accord amongst themselves it's just it's like okay it's called jeremy and it's cool and we like it and and then jeremy becomes a thing and it's um and i think if they found out that you had jeremy a jeremy you know with another class so maybe even feel a little bit um you know a little bit let down so but it's it's a particular yeah. isn't it and they they you know they 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 grab onto that and it's like and and then and then you can you can work with it. Yeah. Now I'd like to talk now about one of your videos. I can't remember which number it was, but it's also in in uh, in one of your books. Yeah. Um, and it, it's brilliant. It's it's the it's it's in I think it's the understanding teenagers in the classroom. Um, uh -huh. And it's the the classroom within a classroom. Mm. I think this idea is something you absolutely have to share with everybody um, yeah. because it makes such a gigantic difference in again like in teen classes especially where you need to listen to your students you need to listen to them about whatever they need to be listened to but they need to have that kind of moment with the teacher so yeah. what is a classroom within a classroom chris <laughs> okay a classroom within a classroom okay in a nutshell it is is you getting hold of another chair um that is uh, you know, an extra chair and putting it next to next to your table, um, you know, either on this sort of, you know, uh, either literally in the same, you know, next to your chair or on the other side of the table or, or, or on one of the sort of adjoining sides um, and making time during the lesson for students to come up and work with you on a one to one um, basis. So my point being that there are a lot of activities, um, students doing grammar exercises, for example, um, whereas teachers, we kind of enter into this dead time um, and we don't have a lot to do for a few minutes. But when we do then have a lot to do, um, it all comes at once. So if we've given them, you know, for example, a paragraph to write or something longer, then we've got dead time for a while and then suddenly it's finished teacher finished teacher finished teacher and um and we've got that bottleneck situation in terms of uh, you know um us needing 
to be two, three or four teachers in order to cope with the influx of, uh, of support or, you know. Um, so, as students are doing something themselves, we can be bringing up students one by one, inviting them up and just spending a couple of minutes with them. Um, so effectively creating, you know, a mini class within a larger class. Um, and I think in terms of um, the physicality of it, if we can get a chair that looks like the teacher's chair, that's nice There's sort of some symbolism there as well. And it's often, I think, the one-to-one -one interactions and when you're actually looking at what the students have written, that that's the place where you do some of your negotiating in terms of classroom management. That's where a student realises that you don't hate them mm -hmm. uh, if they thought they did and where you get to see exactly what it is they're writing. And even if it's, you know, just read me the last paragraph of the last reading we did and I'll listen to you. Or, you know, just show me the last exercise you did. Let me just check again. Or, you know, have you got any questions for me? Or tell me about what you did yesterday. So, um, and, you know, we, it's so simple, but it breaks the, it breaks the, the, the default, you know, um, model we have of teaching, I think, which is lockstep, um, everybody doing stuff at the same time, uh, teacher speaking from one position to everybody, um, as if they were just one conglomerate, you know, being uh, and stuff like that. So I find myself, I found myself over the years doing more and more of my more and more valuable work, you know, from that sort of basis. I so so what I've done uh, here is so, so I've, obviously as it's volunteer, you know, we have them here in the house. Yeah. Um, we've got IKEA fold-out chairs. Brilliant. Um. And that the whole thing of that is it brings us both to the same level. So yeah. as teachers, it's really hard to find a chair the same as your chair because, <laughs> you know, there's usually one good chair and the teacher who's been there for 20 years has that chair. So <laughs> unlucky, you're yeah, yeah, going to be yeah. sitting on this broken stool that's stuck yeah. together with chewing gum and yeah. hair. Um, <laughs> and it's like, I can't find another chair like that. So, yeah, what, what we've done here is most of the time is spent standing yeah but when it comes to those moments we've got those two fold-out chairs that they can come away from where they are and sit down yeah. with us and we can go through together like on a level yeah. because it's not the same as going around and doing the tefl crouch next no, to them and, and no and it's not i'm not saying that that's when you're i'm not saying you're pretending that you're you're interested but quite a lot of the time you're kind of you're bent down or you're crouched down next to them and you're staring at the page and seeing what they're doing but it's not necessarily computing. It is one of those, oh, what can I yeah. get from, from the supermarket? Uh, or, yeah. oh, I can't believe I've only <laughs> got one shoe on or something like that, you know. Yeah. And, and, and mainly because you're, as well, you're so uncomfortable. I mean, yeah. it's such a, I do, um, I do from time to time, Trinity Diploma um, observations. And in fact, now I'm doing um, uh, Cambridge Delta observations as well. Um, and, even at that level, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because you see people, you know, monitoring because they know they have to monitor. But by the time they come to teaching their, their lesson, they're so tired. They've been up since three the morning, the night before doing the plan. They're, they've asked themselves so many questions in the background essay that they no longer really know why they're even teaching the lesson. They're that, they're that frayed. And, 
it comes to a stage when the students are doing something they know they have to monitor but um but they don't have it clear why they're monitoring you know are they monitoring to see if the, the students are on task are they monitoring to capture language and i've seen this so many times i mean at, at certificate and so you know certificate level as well and in in-house um and and yeah so they kind of hover and it's it's a painful thing to see because it's like yeah and you can see they're so overloaded and in their mind they're asking you know five percent is dedicated to the to the observer in the corner wondering what they're thinking yeah uh, part of their mind is running okay on the timings what my lesson is that so they'll they'll sort of advance almost threateningly <laughs> on the students they'll have a cursory look then they'll go back to their table and have a look at their lesson plan have a look at the other lesson plan that is their informal one that they didn't show to the observer and that and then they go back and it um yeah so um it's really awkward we, it is really but how did we get here was it because we we're talking about chairs we were talking about chairs, yeah. Oh. <laughs> we were talking about chairs. Okay. So, and yeah. saying that, uh, Jane Ritter has said that some of the chairs that she has at uni are, are minging. And yeah, I imagine by that stage, they, they do get a bit minging. Um, Hello, Jane. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've always been a... I, I don't want to say I'm a hoarder. Um, but and I, I, I've tried not to be that teacher who, you know, if you don't have the stapler, where is it? It's in Chris's room. I, I have been that teacher some of the time, but in terms of chairs, I've always been quite lucky um, because I, uh, well, I always have just kind of have my eye out, um, you know, just, just occasionally spare chairs happen, but, um, but you have to be kind of in the right place at the right time, uh, namely in other people's classrooms when they're not there. When they're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that check in here? Well, I'm not really sure. It's here now, though. <laughs> the teachers have been in my room over the years. And, oh, you've got two tables. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I once got a, yeah, I managed to get a whole sort of chest of drawer, glass-fronted sort of shelf thing from the skip outside the, uh, outside the academy. I don't know who left it there, but... I saw that on the way home. I thought, right, I'm having that as well. It nearly gave me a hernia getting it into the <laughs> getting it into the school. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to talk about something else that probably nearly gave you a hernia. That's just completely reminded me. Now, right, I will sing praises for I'm going to say 98% of your suggestions. Now, and I don't <laughs> doubt that this suggestion at the right time, when you don't, you know, in the right place, was as a good one. But yeah. the painting on bricks one. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I considered it once, but then I was just like, mate, how am I going to get 40 bricks? How am yeah. I going to paint 40 bricks? That was one of the ones I just like, no, nah, yeah. mate. I mean, that, so yeah. there are some, like, you know, you got you, it's out there. Maybe there's one or two teachers that could probably do it. But, you know, that was one of the ones that I, I had to call on. I was like, no, nah, I'm not having any of that. I am not buying 40 bricks. <laughs> I am um, over. I mean, so this was the, um, yeah. That was a kind of experimental phase, um, and uh, and I found myself at one point doing some uh, doing some fairly um, fairly out there stuff. I remember um, I remember Hugh Della once. He said to me, "He said, uh, I think you're the victim of your own creativity," and uh, in some respects, it, it, he's right. Um, and uh, 
but it was uh, it was yeah the bricks. I got so I got in trouble a few times because what would happen is um, directors of study, school owners would bring their teachers to to the sessions. And then the new teachers would all go away saying, oh, we need bricks. We need bricks. Chris, Chris Rowland says we need bricks or, or, or whatever it is. Um, and um, yeah, so the brick writing was, yeah, students undercoating, priming bricks and then writing on them. Uh, I did it with some with some small with some small groups um, of, of students uh, and it was fun but there was a nice actually there was a nice variation on that um, there's a, a teacher um, called Ana Paula Freitas in um, in Madeira in Funchal and her take on that was to get her teens to go down to the beach where there were thousands upon thousands of smooth round grey pebbles Oh, and nice. they collected some pebbles. Yeah, that, I thought you'd like that one. Uh, and then they came back and they found like nice kind of slogans. Uh, we would call them memes now, I suppose. But um, uh, and then they found like nice ones about friendship and loyalty. And and then they sort of tipexed them onto the um, onto the stones, which is uh, you know a, a lot quicker setup um, and and, and more bricks. efficient. And fewer bricks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I sure. always like the idea of fewer bricks, unless I'm building a wall, in which case yeah. I think more bricks tend to be good. Um, well, it depends yeah, I... on the height you want the wall, really. Um... <laughs> I haven't done the bricks in a while, actually. I oh. would only, I would only do the bricks again if I was genuinely going to build a brick structure in the classroom. So if if it was, you know, if we were going to create some sort of, yeah maybe shelf in the corner or something like that, yeah. maybe. But I don't think, I mean, obviously I'm not as conscientious uh, as you are, but over the years, I've the my angles have changed and I won't do things, you know, I used to, if it required a whole load of plastic plates, which would just go in the bin after, you know, I, I, I used to just do that without thinking about it. Now I'll be thinking, you know, how can I use the plates again and, and just yeah. try and, and I think possibly so many bricks is uh yeah is, is, i think is, the brick painting one might be good if i did it at my daughter's school where they have an allotment that we could yeah. turn into a compost area mm. now that would look really cool if they all painted the bricks and wrote something yeah. on it about the the allotment now there you go um now yes. what i have to do is get loads of bricks for my daughter's school and enough time to get 50 students to paint them and do them definitely hey, gonna be possible. harry You've reminded me of something. Um, sometimes I do the main suite examining for um, for the BI here in Seville. There is a school, and I'm trying to think if it's in, I think it might be in Valencina. There's a school that has a whitewashed wall. Um, and yeah. on the, do you know it? You know it? I do. I know it's got a mural on the outside of it. Yeah. And there's also on the inside, there's, individual students have added their sort of their thoughts or maybe some sort of stencil pictures of themselves or or something like that and and they've had a chance to sort of personalize it so maybe sort of personalized messages or if they prepare them and and you know get them approved they could even have a little uh, a little form you know explaining why i chose this message that ah that's it okay yeah 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 
That's it. And Harry's showing me a picture for. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the village I live in, so it's uh, okay. And that image I just showed you is one of the four murals they have on the outside wall, and that was for the the Dia del Medio Ambiente, the Environment right. Day last yeah. year, and it's actually my daughter's face. Oh, that's brilliant! So they're already primed for that. There you go. It's primed and ready, literally. Rock and roll, compost heat, compost heat. Here there we you come. go. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting knocking on that door because um, yeah, lucky that I know quite a lot of the teachers from living here. Um, right. So I'm going to jump again to somewhere completely irrelevant to what most people are thinking of at the moment, and that's your video about the first class of the year. Yeah. Now I'm not only going to focus on this as the first class of the year, but I'm going to focus on it like maybe even just as a as a class. At some point in the year, it's fun to use this kind of idea. And something that you use a lot of, and you have a lot mm -hmm. of, are conversation questions. Yeah. Um, you find conversation questions quite important, I imagine. Um, for yeah. me, they with teens, they can absolutely be the foundation of, of any good class, um, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, so I was watching this and it, it did have about the, the monitoring bit where you go by listening and so on and so forth yeah. um, and checking what they're saying. Uh, for me, that I think I improved on my skill for doing that listening and so on and so forth and really paying attention was during lockdown and in online classrooms. I think yeah. that's one of the one of the massive benefits of going online. Now, you know a bit about teaching online as well, don't you? Haven't you not written a book or two about it? <laughs> I've written a book or two about it. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, in fact, one of the my big face to face primary book came out just as we entered lockdown. So then I said to the I said to the um, Kirsten Holt at Pavilion, I said, you know, do we need to add in a, a chapter? on online teaching and she suggested a couple of smaller books um to complement the bigger books um so we did entire titles which which i'm i was very pleased with as well um but yes going back to your point absolutely the cognitive skills that a teacher requires in to home in on uh, and record and data collect the language i mean we've been talking about sort of the sort of artsy creative um side side of teaching but yeah and like you suggested right at the beginning actually magic is it, it happens often apparent magic through a series of you know or, or, or a, a long sustained period of you know meth um, methodological sort of methodological method methodological meth Methodical, 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 <laughs> methodical sort of grind, and that's probably what characterises my classes more than more than anything else. It's like just rolling up my sleeves, getting in there and and, and listening to them, um, and the ability to do that, I think, is something. Yeah, most teachers could work on. So it's grabbing that stool or chair, whatever you've got handy sort of taking it physically to where the students are speaking, sitting down, making sure you're comfortable, and then just homing in with one ear, you know, maybe not looking directly at them, but moving your head closer to them until you can hear. And if they stop speaking because you're there, telling them to start speaking again because you're there and you want to listen. And um, what I've been doing with the, with the class within a class 
um, idea is when the students are doing um, a speaking activity in pairs now, I'll just bring two of them to my table, which means you have to get an, another chair. But it's like you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You two Budgets guys come are going do... crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll get myself in trouble again. Um, but it's like you two guys come and do your speaking here. And that's so much easier to monitor because you're already comfortable. You're as a teacher, you're already set there. You're moving them away from the sort of the, 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 that, all that noise that is the rest of the class. They're just, you're just slightly sheltered a bit up at the front and then you can listen to them in, in a much easier way. And then you send two back. And so this is another thing you can do from your class within a class. Um, but you're right. Yeah. The, the actual importance of listening to students being responsive to them and, and you know, their contributions, um, via the microphone and via the chat box and, and being sort of hyper aware of that, that, that probably didn't do the profession any harm at all, did it? No, I, I really think that, you know, it's, there aren't many professions that had had to pivot quite in the same way. Yes, yes. Lots of professions had to pivot. I'm not trying to pretend that they didn't, but to go from your face to face in a classroom to online, it's, yeah. it's completely different. It, it, it's, yeah. You know, and I can see why so many people kind of dropped away, um, you know, took early <laughs> retirement, perhaps, yeah. and were like, yeah, because yeah. it's such a, a dramatic change. And, you know, when you find your your niche within that, it's, I don't know, when you find that connection with classes and how to use it, there really yeah. is like a beauty to both of them, like I have to say. Yes. Um, and like, yeah. for me, this this thing of, of listening is, is something that came quite late as a teacher to me. Uh, it sounds sounds really bad, but I'd, I'd listen to the answers. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, if yeah. I had a question, I'd listen to the question. But how often would I really like listen to the students, but also give them the platform? And you know, this idea yeah. of a flipped classroom—it's you know, it, it's not actually new at all. It's getting students mm -hmm. to come up and, and and teach the classes or or whatever. Yeah. But actually listening to what they have to say, and something that I've learned so much from my sort of pivot towards sustainability in the classroom and such is I, I don't know everything. Um, <laughs> obviously I haven't just finished my CELTA, so I don't know everything. Um, that's the moment when you know absolutely everything is right after your CELTA. It's peak of knowledge. <laughs> um, right, you've got, you know everything then, you've done it. I've done, I've worked for a month, I've studied for a month, I've worked mildly hard. I only got drunk six nights a week. So it's all good. Um, but yeah, and I realized in that moment that I, I didn't know everything. and. There are students coming to me who are 14, 15, 16, number one, asking me questions that yeah. I would admit I didn't know and would like them to find out. And then they they then brought it back and had the power to talk about it. Number two, telling me things I had no idea about and they were sharing the idea with me. And I was just like, yeah. wow. And just watching, you know, we use the word empower a lot with our students, with our teens just watching them become empowered because they're teaching you something because they yeah. kind of have that. I don't know. For me, that was a massive like click in my teaching and, and it when it became about what they want and not just about yeah. what I want to teach them. Yeah. About the, about the words and sentences in English that they are trying to say. Mm -hmm. It's uh yeah. I mean, I, you say it, it came, I think to tell you the truth, it, it, it comes late for most teachers i mean i've seen i don't know if i've seen i don't know if i've seen a thousand teachers observed but i've maybe i've seen quite a few 
quite a few hundred, maybe getting up to four, five hundred, maybe teaching, um, and uh, and it's yeah to, to take them. Most teachers at, at some point need sort of just taking out of themselves and their own agenda and worrying about what they're doing, and just you know, so just sit down and listen and think about what you can add to the language that you're hearing. Um, yeah. But it is a skill. I mean, it's a, it's because you need all of the classroom management and logistics to be in place. Everybody needs to be clear on what they're doing in order to free you up to do that. Uh, and then you need to um, kind of be able to come up with, you know, or I think it's a, a habit you you build up yeah, to be able to pepper what they're saying and give them the next level language that they need, you know, so, um, you know, within a busy class. So it's, yeah, it, it is, it is quite a skill. I find it so important. And, and that's why like one of the things I like to do is get the calendar at the start of the year. Yeah. Look for when it's closest to my student's birthday. Yeah. Pick that, but that day. And I'm like, this day, the class is all about you. It's near your birthday. It's on your birthday. Right. It's all about you. What do you like? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to learn about in your life? It's, it's like, there's no textbook. Mm. doesn't matter. We're going to talk about that. I'll bring in some stuff. You bring in some stuff. So, you know, you get all sorts, you get all sorts, yeah. but you actually get to know the students a bit. Like, yeah. and I don't think you have to stick it to birthdays, you know, but giving each of your students at least that day for them to, to share their knowledge with others, but also to ask you for help on how they can bring that to the students. So, you know, yeah. I've learned about anime. I've learned about um, how aeroplanes work. Well, no, I've been taught about how aeroplanes work. I haven't learned about <laughs> it. I've been taught about it. You know, I've, part I've participated in a class about it. Um, and just giving that platform and that moment and making it special about them but giving them the fair warning for it, not just saying, okay, Pepe, next week, presentation, you, go. Yeah. But like yeah. giving them the whole build up to it and say, it's a day for you, it's a day about you, we're going to learn about anime, we're going to learn about the difference between anime and manga or, or you know, different yeah. chilies. We're going to talk about those. We're going to try some chilies because we've all grown white ghost peppers and we're all going to see how <laughs> hot they are. Yeah. And I mean, and, and even with the spawn with a spontaneous, I think what we need to do is, yeah, just try to, um, we have the default in our heads. We have our pre-programming. Yeah? We, we think we know what a lesson's going to be and how it's going to go. And and we also have, you know, probably a lesson plan or at least, a, you know, the, the units of the course, but we think we need to get through the exercises on the day. You can find yourself in the middle of a class with three or four um teenagers with their hands in the air wanting to tell you about you know why the comments that little pump made about this youtuber has caused and suddenly something kicks in in your teacher's conscience and you it says oh enough of all this chit chat you need to get on and get on with you know exercise exercise three on page 47 and it's it's a, sometimes you find yourself killing all that Mm -hmm. in order to go to something it's like why did i just do that yeah um but i mean we've we've got you know we've got so many years of sort of default uh blueprint that sometimes we, i think we have to question and kind of resist in the moment in order to 
you know, move education in groups forward. And it's not every class you go off on one of these tangents, no. you know, and you find it and you find it's useful. Again, you know, when it comes to YouTube, I, I love it in class. I love that, you know, students love it. And you do, obviously you need to be a bit careful because sometimes yeah. they'll tell you a video, you can't just click it on or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff like, I don't know, Mr. Beast, for example, there are Beast Reacts videos where they stand there and they react to videos. And at first right. I was like, that's so stupid. I hate that. Yeah. Like, why would right. anyone do that? Why would anyone want to watch someone watching videos? And then I yeah. watched it with my daughter and I was like, this is actually really funny. Um, but also yeah. they, they're clean. Their language is like absolutely clean. It's done like you know that there's not going to be swearing in there. You know, there's not going to be nudity in there. So you know that it's going to be teen appropriate. And most teens know who he is because they've got a Spanish translated version. So mm -hmm. suddenly you've just got all of this material just there. And they're there. And oh, I've seen this one. Oh, I love this one. Oh, you know, and yeah. they get so in into that. And yeah, as I say, as you say, sorry, if you just kill that, if you're just like, no, we don't want to talk about that. It's, it's not fun for them. Like, don't. Yeah. Don't make your class not fun just because you have to finish a grammar activity. Yeah, there's uh, there's so much mileage in it, isn't there? And I mean, if you're not if you're not sure, you can just you know we can go home and and do the old sort of Spider Man. I grew up with the the, the 1970s Spider Man, where he he'd get destroyed by the baddie the first time round, and he'd go back and he'd he'd mix up a new you know Spidey web or or sort of sort of chemical uh formula and then he'd go and he'd win the second battle so if you can if you have one of those over sort of overpowering moments where you suddenly get this rush of enthusiasm and all the students want to see this particular clip or series of clips you know you can always just say okay maybe next lesson and then go home and engineer it a little bit to um yeah. you know and uh and they'll i you know get them to do a a short writing, a short paragraph. Why I want to, why I want the teacher to see this clip or anything. Yeah. It's, oh, I love uh, that. And permission slips. I love yeah. permission slips for for games. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I think that was you, wasn't it? You're the permission it might slip have been, person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the permission slip. Students have to like write a permission slip if they want to take part in a game, and that way as well yeah. they don't misbehave, and yeah. they're practicing their writing. Yeah, it was you. It was yeah. damn you, Chris Rowland, getting all over <laughs> my brain when I didn't even know. Uh, yeah, I also did a, also a ahead, clip, re clip request form. Okay. Uh, so, you know, what clip you want to see, why, uh, you know, and then five comprehension questions in English and the answers that they can ask. The, uh, and that. and I've, I've seen that in use in, in some teachers' classrooms, which was... A very nice thing. Just occasionally, I'll rock up to a class and I'll see something, and I'll say, "Oh yeah, I've done, I've done something like that." And they say, "No, no, no, I, I got it from you." And it's like, "Ah, oh, that's nice." Um, uh, is that not just the best feeling in the world? <laughs> yeah, it is nice. I yeah. absolutely love that when somebody says, "Oh yeah, I used that activity," or "Yeah, you see it happen," and you walk past, it's like, "Hang on," and yeah, yeah. And, and this brings me back to something I mentioned right at the very, very top of the show, and that's. Teacher training. We're both teacher trainers, obviously. Um, is it basically really just teaching? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely a teaching. Um, um, 
and so you're, you're still connected to the classroom and, and especially if you're observing um, and, you're, and you're sitting in other people's classrooms, you know, uh, observing and commenting on stuff or if people are trying out your ideas and feeding back. So there's still, it's, it's definitely a teaching, but I, I suppose it depends. You, it depends which part of, of teaching you're covering. So um, if you're covering like I do, um, classroom management um uh which i've ended up you know a lot of doing a lot of sessions about um i suppose you don't want to be you know you, you want to at least you know still have the smell of battle on you a little bit as mm -hmm. it were so if it's how to engage readers with text i think that is something you can do and develop maybe it has a longer shelf life you have a longer shelf life being away from the classroom yeah um and there are some things if it's how to get the most out of a out of a a grammar exercise because you're into you've moved into materials writing uh, you know that's got to, that's going to have a very very long life date on it i imagine because yeah. you know so um but as long as as long as you can draw in your own imagination as long as you can put yourself back into the classroom almost like picking up the little google person and dropping them onto street view yeah and then relive the moment because i mean i i talk about things that happened in the classroom but in my classroom in the year 2000 and in fact that that's how i've kept some of those things alive so <laughs> as long as you can do that i suppose you you're all right would you say that your persona as a teacher is different to your persona as a teacher trainer? Um, not really, no. Uh, I, I try for it not to be. And in fact, I try these days I, for my persona as a teacher not to... Uh, now, hang on a minute, Harry, that's complete rubbish. Yes, it is. Uh, and I'll tell you why. When I go into a classroom of teens, for example, um, I, I'm ready for a kind of an Aikido-style exchange of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, I will, you know, I will goad them, I'll, uh, you know, um, and sort of just hassle them into doing what I need them to do. I, I can be quite conflictive in the, in a in a classroom when it when it needs to be. Uh, I can be irritating and and annoying just like they can. I can be cheeky and I'll expect that to come back at me and I'll find a way to to work it to my advantage to get them to do the language I need them to do, but at the same time give them love. So this so I'm very much more sort of ready for battle with 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 the little children with um, primary. I'm more like a a benevolent um, cassette recorder. So I'll, I'll have my sentence length scripts, which I'm, I, I, I sort of try, I'm trying to push the language that I'm, and I'll stage the lesson and the instructions via, you know, these sort of, I'm sitting in my chair and they'll all be going, I'm sitting in my chair and I'll use hand signals, you know, teacher, and they'll go teacher. And if I do with my, right hand if i move they'll go what's number two if i move the left hand they'll go teacher what's next and it's just kind of codified 
So I think, I imagine if I tried to do that as a teacher trainer, <laughs> the teachers I was working with would be horrified. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as an adult teacher, my persona is probably closer to the, um, closer to the, um, the, the trainer persona. Yeah, I, I definitely have the, a, quite a large difference between my, especially kids teaching to, to teacher trainer. There's definitely a very different level there. Although I do feel equally childish whilst doing both. Since I <laughs> act more childish when I'm, I'm being a, when I'm being a, a trainer, obviously. I mean, a, a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just one moment. I'm just going to remind everybody that with a Slack group are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. At Witherslack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. Witherslack currently have some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. Check out witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Um, there you go. I didn't even mute you that time, Chris, because I knew you'd be quiet. I could hear your neighbours had gone from the background and yeah. you just went into it <laughs> i was i was so good wasn't I? I i behaved yeah well done yeah. That, that was exceptional behavior christopher thank you very much <laughs> yeah, um, <good. laughs> um yeah my my obviously my sound my audio decided it didn't want to work again so i did try re-uploading it but it, it didn't work so that will be a post uh, show edit i'm afraid uh so means so normally you would have those on a on an audio Exactly. They're, they're recorded. Usually they work beautifully. They work seamlessly. Um, Jane's here as well. She's experienced troubles in the past with them, but at the moment hers are going brilliantly as well. So she knows that kind of sweaty situation you get in when it's just like, oh, they're not working. But the thing that's worse for me is yeah. I usually publish immediately after I'm done. So I sit down, I publish and it goes out tonight while it's fresh and everybody's like oh i can't believe i missed it now i can catch up but now i'm gonna to have to wait till tomorrow to post it or perhaps the day after so um, ah, that's a warning you. for you in advance as well so it might take two days for this to be released for yeah. people to catch up because i know that you know the fans are clamoring for this one. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's one that's just you know they're there they're banging down the door for it but you know people right. they, need, they need to catch up um this has felt like a nice catch up as well. We do still have 12 minutes, which is great. Um, I, I looked at the programme for Athea this year and you're not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. No, going to miss that one. Yeah, you're a mainstay of Athea. You, you are Mr. Athea. Like what, what happened? Well, in fact, but you know, I, I came to Athea. I think that 2011 one was um, probably my first. So I came to it relatively late compared to uh, to sort of uh, sort of TESOL Spain or the, the API convention in, in Portugal. Um, but um, no, it was just basically, um, I'm doing more training this year. Um, so I decided to actually take a year out and so that I could do teacher training throughout the year because a lot of the time I get, I get a lot of invitations to go and talk to teachers, work with teachers, but if it's not at the weekend, um, mm -hmm. or in, in the holiday, um, I basically can't do it. I mean, Ellie were very, very flexible um, with me, but it, it, it got to the point where it was sort of it, quite difficult to find substitutions, especially because 
substitute teachers are a rarer commodity post COVID than mm -hmm. they were pre COVID, it seemed. So um, I thought, right, I'm going to take a, a year or possibly two years out, uh, do less teaching, um, and actually take up some of these invitations, go around, do teacher training, work with teachers in their center while they're actually teaching. And, um, and so I just thought I'd leave more free space. And that was it. So I'm sure I'll be back at SAE. Um, you better be. Soon. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I am, I think I've got, I am speaking at a conference uh, very close. That's next weekend, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, Saturday, yeah. On Saturday. And I think on the Thursday or the Friday, the following, I go to Rome to speak at an, an IH uh, World Organization Young Learner Conference. So, I mean, I shall be at home prepping up and preparing stuff um, while that's on. You say that. One of my, my very proud moments as a father came in the car the other day. So um, Chris is known to, to the whole family, mostly myself and my wife, because we've both <laughs> worked with him. Um, my daughter doesn't actually know him, but she knows of him because he's been spoken of, of course. Uh, and I, I said to my wife in the car, oh, you know, Chris Rowland, he's, he's speaking in Rome. And my daughter pipes up with, don't you mean Chris Romeland? And I was just like, yes, that's a dad joke. That was a pun. It was everything. That was perfect. I was, I was beaming with pride. I immediately got on Facebook. Well, I waited till I'd parked the car, obviously. Got on yeah. Facebook and I had to say it. I was like, I have to yeah. tell you about that. She's nine, so, you know, she's yeah. coming out with these. That's Brilliant puns. You couldn't have had a better place to go to, really. Um, no, no. Um, I was, in fact, when you when you when you posted that, I started thinking about you know where else you know and how. It, but it, it works best with Rome. Yeah, yeah. Because Chris Rowhampton doesn't really work. Chris Rotherham again. It's not. Chris Rotherham, no, it doesn't have, but yeah, Romeland was, was brilliant. It'd be, um, it'd be really maybe kind of sad if you did actually change your name to everywhere you went to, to speak, if you changed your surname, I mean, you'd confuse people because uh, they, you know, I thought I saw him last year in Barcelona, but he was called Chris Barcelona and now it's Chris Madrid. Um, <laughs> But that would that would just be silly, wouldn't it? That would be silly, but it'd be quite a funny niche, wouldn't it? You know, yeah. he's the guy that changes his name. Out, <laughs> I did actually once change my name um, for for a play. Now I did West Side Story at school with Matt Smith, who's in um, right. the, new, the 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 House of Dragon and Doctor Who and stuff like that. Um, incidentally, but my grandfather had just passed away. So I changed my name to my grandfather's surname. Um, so it's in there is Harry Cato, but that's the only time I've ever wow. changed my name. So, okay, just for the just for the performance. Just for the performance, yeah. I was that was going to be my stage name, but then I never got on stage. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I did cool. quite a lot. But yeah, so yeah, yeah Harry Cato. That was uh, that was yeah. That's why I changed my name. Um, now, pivoting away from name changing, yeah. we've we've somehow managed to get to only seven minutes left and we've <laughs> spoken about a lot. I'm not going to do a resume. Uh, what, what's a resume? A review, yeah. there you go, yeah, of everything that we've talked about. But we've mentioned a few times that you've written books, but we yeah. haven't explicitly told people what the books are and where they can find them. Obviously, they'll <laughs> find them in the description box when this is published. Right. 
That goes yeah. without saying. But also, what are they going to find and where can they find it? Oh, fantastic. Is this a kind of Sean Evans uh, hot ones moment? This camera rolling, that camera rolling, tell the people what you've been up to sort of thing. Exactly that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, cool. Hey, by the way, before I, before I say that, my three-year-old uh, nephew, who I visited uh, recently, just a few weeks ago, uh, he's, he's, he just had his third birthday. He'll be talking about something. He'll tell you how to do something. And then at the end, he'll say, uh, mm, uh, leave a comment and click on the subscribe button. I mean, <laughs> that's three years old. So uh, they're growing up with that, aren't they? It's, uh, yeah. I think there's probably some mileage in the classroom for, for, for product review simulations oh, and stuff. So um, they okay, the books are, it's, uh, it's a UK publishing house called Pavilion, who are also the people who produce Modern English Teacher magazine and... Uh, up till recently produced English Teaching Professional, um, who I published most of my articles with and, and now publish uh, articles with Modern English Teacher as well, which I like a lot. So that's the uh, publishing house, Pavilion. Um, they are also the people who do ETpedia, the, all the series, John Hughes series, he's, a, he's the editor there. Um, the books are called Understanding Teenagers in the ELT Classroom. That's 2018. That's about uh, 300 plus pages of uh, ideas for classroom management and, and getting the most, talking to your teenagers uh, and, and getting the most out of your lessons. And Nominated the, for an Elton. It was, and that was really good fun going there. I don't, and, and I get, I, I've got invites to the Elton since. Uh, and not being able to go. But I think once you get nominated, you get invitations. And I fully intend to go to one where I'm not nominated so that I can just enjoy the, the evening. But that was that was great. And the, um, and the sort of complimentary smaller volume, which is about 130 pages, is, um, is um, understanding teenage language learners online. Uh, that was the last one that, I, uh, um, that, that we published. Um, and then for primary, the structuring uh, fun for young learners in the ELT classroom. That's uh, 350 pages of um, uh, how to include movement um, and all of the sorts of shifts that we talked about and how to structure fun and Thai language to it. And the uh, supplementary or, or complementary, really, or companion volume, let's say, that deals with online um, is um, structuring fun for young learners online, and that was 2011. Again, from the uh, it's pavpub.com. That's their um, that's their website. And also, I've noticed recently um, you can even order stuff from uh, Amazon. Um, they will circumnavigate the um, the need to pay extra duties because of Brexit. Okay. So oh, there you um, go. You know. There we go. Um, I, and I have to, I have to say that the the main books are, are brilliant. I've I've not gone near the online oh, ones. You. I apologise. Right. The main ones are <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, um, they're fantastic. Thanks. In fact, I remember the when you, you wrote the first one, and yeah, we were at Athea actually talking about how we were speaking at the same time. You gave me yeah. a discount code for it that day. And I was just like, yes. And I went and got it straight away with one discount. I was so happy. I was so happy. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I've, I've been very lucky um, because the uh, the publishing house, Kirsten Holt and the editor, Penny Hands, they've, they've let me write 
um, they've let me write in full narrative in a way that, you know, in a way that is intended for a person to be able to read the book, you know, yeah. uh, with, without being battered and badgered by constant sort of uh, Im, Im, imperative statements. So I hope, hope it, you know, it's a pleasant read as well. well I, was, I was about to say exactly that. It is a pleasant read. It's um, uh, marvellous. It, it, it's, it's very easy to, to sit there and, and enjoy, you know, you yeah. know it's, it's not, as you say, like those typical books you get when you're studying for the diploma or, or whatever you're doing, and they're just so dry and heavy. Um, these 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 are, are are wet and light, I guess. <laughs> I think I'll take that. I, I mean, the wizard the wizard handle is nice. By the way, I I didn't know that. I'd never heard that before 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 you did the uh, poster for this. But wet and light is, uh, yeah, that, that, I like that as well. So, <laughs> so yeah, well, indeed, I, I do always, I do, whenever I'm talking about you, I do refer to you as a Tepal wizard. And I was very tempted to put a sticker wizard's hat on top. I was like, I could do it, but I'm not going yeah. to for the post. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to leave it without, because that might bring it down a level. We don't need to bring it down, because there's no doubt that we could have done that ourselves anyway, which we didn't. Um, I, <laughs> I cannot believe that this has been an hour and a half. Um, it's gone quick, I feel like it? we've talked about everything, but also not talked about enough. So yeah. um, there is, there, in no doubt, there will be another time in future where we can uh, speak again. Um, yeah, rock on. Yeah, about other things or similar things or different things. Um, but yeah, it has been a real pleasure, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your your wizardry with the world. We're not going to call it the wizarding world because we might get sued by Harry Potter. Um, it's been a, a real pleasure. And I hope I'll, I'll bump into you. I'll see you very soon around the city. Oh, bless you, mate. Yeah. And thank you for taking the time to do this. Oh, absolute pleasure. Um, so that has been it from Chris Rowland and I. I'll be back next week. So do tune in. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.